Jesus entered, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Good morning. Very good to see you. Let's pray that God would speak to us from this passage. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, thank you for the scriptures. And we pray, Lord, that this morning you would speak into our lives. You'd open our eyes to see Jesus more as he really is. And that we'd want to follow you closely. Come and help me as I speak. Send your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're continuing our morning sermon series, looking at the invitations of Jesus. We've had so far Jesus' invitations to those who are weary, and then we looked at his invitations to those who are thirsty. And today, we come to his invitations to those who are lost. And most likely, the story that you've just heard, the story of Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus, it's probable that you're quite familiar with this story. And in some ways, it's a very enchanting story. Of course, it's not just a story, it is an incident that really did happen. Only Luke records this story. And it's recorded incredibly briefly, just 10 verses of scripture. And yet, within such a short little story, as we will discover, is a very vivid picture and there's a lot going on. In just a few words, for example, right at the beginning of the story, when we're introduced to Zacchaeus, Luke makes it really clear that he's an undesirable. Now, how do I know that? Well, the description of him in verse 2 he was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. Now, it's not immediately obvious to us all these years later what Luke is saying, but I'm going to make it more obvious. You might think, well, tax commissioners, tax collectors have never exactly been top of the pops whatever age they lived in. And you might be thinking that what Luke is sort of hinting at is the kind of way that we treat traffic wardens or Ofsted inspectors or something, you know, they're not generally 
hugely popular through no fault of her own. But there's actually a great deal more going on than that. Because, you see, built into the job of being a tax collector were at least two facets that marked you out. And the first one was this. The way tax collectors work in the Roman times. Because apparently the way they worked was this. They didn't get a steady income. They, they didn't work to a salary at all. What they were told at the beginning of a month or the beginning of a year or whatever period of time it was, was your job is to collect X amount in tax. And that goes to the Romans. And anything that you make over and above that, that goes in your pocket. That's your profit. That is your take-home pay. And so you can see that built into the whole system, it wasn't all that scientific, but it was very effective. And there's a second thing going on here. So by nature, tax collectors were extortionists. But there's something else going on here as well. Because tax collectors sitting in Jericho, which is about 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem, and on a major trade route, they were collecting tax for the Romans. And the guy at the center of this story is not a Roman. He's Jewish. And he's taking money off his fellow Jews to swell the coffers of the oppressing Romans. So he, he was, if you like, a collaborator. And he was good at it. Because he's gone up the ladder and he is the chief tax collector and wealthy. So you see, just in that opening description of Zacchaeus, that he is an outsider. And Luke highlights, really, that this wasn't his only disadvantage. He has one other shortcoming. He is short. He's vertically challenged. And he can't see Jesus because of his height, or lack of it. But what he lacks in height, he makes up for in enterprise and initiative. So he runs on ahead, and you know what he does. He climbs a sycamore fig tree. William Barclay, commenting actually on this passage, paints a, a more vivid picture still. and says it's highly likely that Zacchaeus would have been jostled and beaten up a bit, kicked and that sort of thing. And you're beginning to get the picture that it was, it was rather an unpleasant scene, really. And Jesus is passing through. And for Jesus, this is a very important time in his ministry, just at the end of the previous chapter, Luke has told us, the reader, that Jesus is setting off to Jerusalem. And you could say in so many ways, it's working towards the climax of his ministry. And Mark tells us that Jesus is very, very focused, that he went ahead of the disciples, and the disciples are cowering back because they're afraid. They know what awaits him in Jerusalem. So he's a man on a mission, is Jesus. And, and, and yet, and yet, all this action comes to a stop in verse 5, with Jesus standing at the foot of a tree and saying, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. And I want us to notice that this is a story with a happy ending. This really is a story with a happy ending. In verse 9, Jesus says, Today salvation has come to this house 
because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And from this very familiar incident, I, I just want us to notice a number of things that could easily pass us by and which I think will help us from day to day. And the first one is this, that Zacchaeus is lost, even though he didn't look like it. He is lost, even though from outward appearance, you'd never know. He's lost in the sense that he's lost his way. Now, I think a little bit of imagination would tell us that outwardly, he didn't look like that. He looked like a success story. Because evidently, he is competent at his job. He's got to the top of that tree. And we can imagine him walking to the office during a week. Good morning, Mr. Zacchaeus, and good morning to you. And others might have frittered away their time and their talents and their opportunities, but not Zacchaeus. He's grasped them all, and he's made a good fist of it. And he's wealthy, very wealthy. And irrespective of where your wealth comes from, with wealth comes privilege, and with it comes prestige and power. And wealth signals success, and that was Zacchaeus. Now, I grant you I'm using my imagination, this is not in the text, but I'm imagining that, and don't you, that he lived in the comfortable part of Jericho, and that he enjoyed some of the kinds of luxury that money can buy unlikely that he owned a Porsche or a Ferrari with a personalized number plate, but who knows, maybe he had a fleet of go-faster camels. And if his name couldn't open doors, well, his wealth certainly could. And my point is simple, and it's simply this. You have to be able to see what's going on inside Zacchaeus to recognize that he's lost his way. He's a lost soul. And Jesus does see inside Zacchaeus. And probably more important still, in a manner of speaking, Zacchaeus sees inside Zacchaeus and isn't fooled by outward appearance. Now the crowd in this story, they just don't get it. Um, to them, Jesus' behavior is anathema. The crowd heaped condemnation upon Zacchaeus. Jesus heaps compassion upon him. I just want us to notice that this story is a challenging reminder not to judge by outward appearances. Quite a few years ago now, uh, Bernard Le Levin wrote in his column in the Times this, countries like ours are full of people who have all the material comforts they desire, together with such non-material blessings as a happy family and yet they lead lives of quiet and at sometimes noisy desperation, understanding nothing but the fact that there's a hole inside them and that however much food and drink they pour into it, however many motor cars and television sets they stuff it with, however many well-balanced children and loyal friends they parade around the edges of it, it still aches. Now, I want to just be wary at this point because I don't want to give the impression that the lifestyle of the wealthy isn't a pleasurable life, because it obviously is. That isn't the point I'm making. Nor is this point scoring against those with riches, because that isn't the point that this passage makes. 
It's simply that riches are no substitute for a life connected to God. That's at the heart of this story. And as I've said, Zacchaeus realizes a disconnected life is a lost life. And I can't help thinking that actually this period we're living through where whole countries and economies are being shaken by all manner of things at once. It's like a, a moment where many people will realize that what they lean on for security is not quite as solid as they once thought. And let's notice that in verse 3, very near the beginning, Zacchaeus' life begins a dramatic turn with just one phrase. He wanted to see who Jesus was. He wanted to see who Jesus was. That's, that's all it takes. Just, just a moment of inquiry, a moment of curiosity, a moment of spiritual hunger. And a whole world of possibilities opens out. And new life often has its genesis at such a moment. Most of us in this church this morning who have a story to tell of how we came to encounter Jesus, if we reflect on it, we'll realize that it's very often over a protracted period of time that a number of encounters of people who know who Jesus is just feed our curiosity and plant curiosity in us so that we want to see who Jesus is. What would you be prepared to do to see him better? You know, for Zacchaeus, I think, to climb up that tree was triggered by a climb down inside. That he just realized life wasn't all it could be and possibly should be. And one senses that he is hoping to himself, I hope there's more to life than this. And let's turn the spotlight on, onto Jesus for a moment. And just notice that even though he's a man with a date with destiny, even though he knows he's heading to Jerusalem, where he's told the disciples, the Gentiles will, he'll be handed over to the Gentiles and he'll be spat on and he'll be flogged and he'll be killed. And three days later, he'll rise again. Even though that is foremost in his mind, he has eyes to see Zacchaeus. I've often wondered which was looking harder for the other. Is it Zacchaeus looking for Jesus? Or is it Jesus looking for Zacchaeus? I don't know. But I do know because Jesus tells us it's at the heart of his mission. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Most likely we've all played hide and seek, but God plays seek and seek. He's coming looking for the lost, and the lost are prompted to look for him. And there's reassurance here that if with all your heart you do seek him, you will find him. There's something else to notice. Opportunities might come your way at really inconvenient times. It's a bit like conversations with children. You know, if, if children could be taught to run a diary, parenting would be so much easier. You could book in a conversation for Tuesday fortnight to tell them that you wish they'd put their socks away or whatever it is. 
But it doesn't work like that with children. You just have to grab the opportunity when it comes, if it comes, and be grateful. And so it might be with your work colleague that like Zacchaeus might look as if he's got it all together or she's got it all together, but for a moment the mask slips. And you're on your way to some very important appointment that's been in your diary and you know that you haven't quite done the prep that you wish you had done for that meeting and time is of the essence and they ask you half a question which you could stop and answer. That's what it's like for Jesus, isn't it? You know, he's got his appointment in Jerusalem. He knows exactly where he's going. And blow me down, there's this man up a tree. We, we just don't know when the opportunities will come. And this story reminds me to look beyond the outside. Not to guess what's going on, but to imagine, because I think this is what does happen, that God will use us as ambassadors for him and give us opportunities to talk about him in an appropriate way. There is never a bad time to have a conversation with a spiritually hungry person about Jesus. And I think that Jesus didn't see a tax collector up a tree that day. He saw a lost soul. He saw a receptive heart. He saw a man in trouble. And it reminds me that I have no way of knowing who it is that will next turn to the Lord. I, I, when I try and make a guess at it, I think I nearly always get it wrong. There are plenty of people who in the landscape of life you would never have guessed would ever come to Jesus who somehow make the journey. And I think I'm one of those. Jesus is not prejudiced against Zacchaeus. In a sense, he's not predisposed towards Zacchaeus especially, except that he's predisposed to all of us if we're searching for him. And then in closing, just let's notice a number of things I'm sure you have noticed that happened to Zacchaeus. And I, I suppose the thing is, the standout thing is he changes. And that's challenging because it, it makes me ask myself, if I'm not changing, how close to Jesus am I? And am I really seeing Jesus at all? I love it in this story that it's one of many stories where Jesus brings the best out of the people he meets. You know, I, I know one or two people, and I'm, I'm ashamed almost to say this, except that I think you probably are no different to me. But I know one or two people who somehow, I don't know how it happens, but when I'm in the same room as them, they bring the worst out of me. And uh, I don't like that. Or they, they, the phone rings and I pick up the phone and I automatically feel so tired, I hardly get an act together to have a conversation. And that's not bringing the best out of Rupert, I can promise you. But with Jesus, the opposite happens. He has this knack, almost, this talent of bringing the best out of people. And... In his company, people rise to new heights that they never knew they had in them. And that's exactly what happens to Zacchaeus here. And he changes. And there's something very remarkable going on, which is probably why it's recorded in the Gospels. There's an instantaneous and very evident change. And that is with his generosity. He went up the tree, renowned for his extortion abilities, 
and uh, he, he, making a profit and swindling people. When he comes down the tree, he says, if I've swindled anyone, I'll pay them back above and beyond what restitution looks like. That's the point of the four times business. And sometimes that does happen in aspects of our life. The moment that people come to Christ, some things do dramatically change. But other things he works on throughout a life. But you will change. And another thing that's changed for Zacchaeus, self-evidently, I think, is gone is that sense of being lost. Instead, there's that sense of being found. There's a sense of security now. There's a sense of, I've discovered where home is. And that is true for all believers, isn't it? That we, we say and we believe God is our refuge and strength. As for me, it's good to be near God. And, and we know what that security is like. And then if you come down the tree to get near to Jesus, this will happen to you as well. There'll be a change of heart. Inevitably, you will become more Christ-like, more Jesus-like. And what's not to like about that? More loving, more gentle, and dare I say it, even more generous. Not just in money terms, but in all kinds of terms. You will share yourself more and more. Because giving is at the heart of what God's character does. God said, love the world. He gave his one and only son. To live is to give. And to give is to live. And a whole new world opened up for Zacchaeus that day. Let's pray.